thought about you. Uh, uh, no, apparently not. <laughs> apparently I don't have it in me. Oh god, I'm rusty. Hello adventurers and welcome to the My Players Podcast, coming to you from the Guildmaster's office as we sit down to discuss your performance over the past year. I'm your host, Connor O'Brien, and joining me as always is your co-host, Mr. Martin O'Dwyer. Hello, Connor. How are we that's doing? A, that's an interesting way to say the word hello. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I know why I turned into that guy from The Sims. Like, hello! Hello! <laughs> yes! Um, yeah, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. It's it's good to be back. It's the it's, it's it's it does actually feel a bit weird sitting down after the the long break we had over the holidays. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. A lot of like well, not a lot, but like I had two good sessions post our uh, our break that came through, and we had uh, probably the most insane session of D and I've ever played in your with our our last one. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. Like uh, we'll get into it properly. We but, are um... absolutely getting into that. <laughs> Uh, we had two good sessions actually because there was the one leading up to that was quite oh, good as yeah, well oh yeah of course how and, did I forget that one <laughs> but uh, oh, sorry my throat is going at me today so if I'm coughing or clearing my throat I apologise to any listeners um, but yeah we were we had an insane session that I intended to be a very very tough fight I built it to be a tough fight and then it was both you guys had both like the dice go against you in a lot of ways and also be completely on your side in other ways, like in in, in the most unfathomable ways. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Martin, we're okay. We should preface this. We're calling this our anniversary episode. Yeah. It's not because it's not the date we first published our episode one, which is like the eleventh of December. That's well gone. We're almost yeah. a month away from that. Also, it's not the we're, we're like three weeks out from fifty-two episodes, which would be a full year's worth of podcasting. Yeah. So we're in some sort of weird grey uh, intangible zone that we're just deciding to call our anniversary episode oh, I just had an idea do you remember we did a really good podcast once that um, we lost the time <laughs> because someone forgot to turn their mic on yeah yeah what if we do that as like a special episode 52 we talk about that one and we do that one properly <laughs> uh, oh what, what, what was the topic in that again death Oh, right, ironically, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> fittingly, I wanted to kill somebody after that one. Namely, uh, Martin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, uh, we could actually. We, yeah, we did. We did a full episode. Yeah. That hap- that's happened to us like two or three times now over the course of the year. Yeah. We've sat down to record something and either my mic will be really poppy or crackly and it's, ba- or it's cutting in and out and it's not usable. Or I think on a couple of occasions... Uh, maybe your I think you had your Twitch streaming stuff set up so your audio settings are different and it's either not I think it's not recording you or it's not recording me one yeah. or the other and once, um, once the uh, video files were just so large that I hadn't and I hadn't cleared like 10 of them out that my computer went no memory space halfway oh, through an episode right, yeah. <laughs> you, li- we, you literally saw the error pop up when we were like a good 50 minutes into an episode and it was like oh by the way you're full on memory and you're like oh crap and it didn't save it couldn't save that file. It, it wouldn't even save what it had done nope. of the file, which would have been helpful. It was just like, it's like, oh, we can store 49 minutes of of, of, uh, of footage. And then we, we caught 50. And then they're like, oh, well, I guess we just got to throw the whole lot in the bin. Sorry there. Um, yeah. Good job, computers. Good job. We, we, Making our one, lives easier. That one we did re-record. And you can absolutely tell. <laughs> I forget what episode. What episode? Do you, do you know I, what? I can't even remember at this point, man. I just remember the episode yeah. starts and both of us are like, Welcome to the Mike Flares podcast. 
Yeah, we're both like we we, <laughs> we pretty much sit down and had the same fifty minute conversation again, mm-hmm. which isn't really a, a I guess it isn't really a problem for the listeners other than the fact that the two of us um, are not entertained by it because we're just repeating what we've said for the past hour. It takes a good, um, about an hour for us to put ourselves out of that stupor and actually get into podcasting mode. Yeah, and then, then that's actually why we didn't do that with the death episode. That was meant to be like somewhere in the low 40s, I want to yeah. say. Um, and then we were just like, it didn't work. It got it didn't get recorded. I think we both just said, look, let's come back to it tomorrow and let's do a totally different topic because if we just rehash the same thing it'll feel forced yeah so we, we did something else instead and it came out okay like um and we we said we'd come back to death at some point this is our little um, mini like, death. year it's inescapable <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i know one of our sessions recently kind of made that a questionable thing but we, we'll get into that death it's coming <laughs> death is fucking up op- sorry death is optional if everyone comes to our campaign apparently even when it's uh, absolutely assured. In in our campaign, mm-hmm. should we should we jump into what happened in our past couple of sessions? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I like okay. I have some fun stuff, but I really want to talk about our two sessions because dear okay. God, they were awesome. So you guys are currently uh, in a city called Basto. Basto is like the biggest mining town. It's built into the side of the Gothfell Peaks, and these mountains are literally the crumbled remains of an earth titan a god like that fell here uh, thousands of years ago um and because of that the whole mountain is just so rich with gems and minerals and and, uh, precious metals and stuff like that that uh, this city has thrived and become huge with its mining industry and stuff like that as a result and so it's a very very wealthy city um you guys have been there and there you're doing a couple other bits and there's some other intrigue happening there but we won't get too into that the main thing is that you guys uh, confronted a dragon that came out of nowhere and swooped down and attacked the city so uh so you fought the dragon um you did a little bit of damage but also it did a lot of damage to you and then it like knocked over a couple of the buildings and and flew away up back up to the mountains um you guys found out that the dragon you were hired by the marquis to go and kill the dragon but then you found out from the dragon themselves, uh, the dragon's name is Givarel, the steel-clad serpent. Um, you found out from Givarel that uh, the Marquis has had, uh, and the Marquis's family, going back a few generations, has had a long-standing deal with the dragon, where it's like, hey, look, you like precious metals? Cool, we'll give you like a cart full of precious metals a month if you can just leave our town alone. And the dragon's like, you know what? That's actually fine by me. Um, as long as you keep providing me with the precious metals I want, and then I'm perfectly happy to leave your, your little town alone and all that. And the town can produce a, you know, a cart full of precious gold and silver and platinum relatively easily. They harvest so much of it from the mountains. Um, so you found that out. You went back to talk to the Marquis, and then he was all like, what do you mean you didn't kill the dragon? I hired you to do that. Um, and you eventually worked out a deal where you'd go up and you'd, you'd fight the dragon, you bring a cart with you, pretending like you guys are bringing the offering. I believe we had um, to, as part of the agreement we made with the dragon at the time, for him not to bite off Wabu's arm. Uh, that's correct, because Wabu has an adamantine ring that he cannot take off his finger. And the drag- when the dragon smelled that, because he has an ability where he can smell precious metals in the air. Um, Honestly, and when he smelled that I ring... shitting myself the entire time, because I have a full adamantine half-plate set. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that one glossed over me a little bit when I was doing this. I was um, very I, grateful it did. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of... Uh, because here's the thing, like gold, silver, and even platinum 
very very um very easy to acquire here in the mountains because it's so there's just everywhere all those precious metals um what can't be gotten very easily are things like mithril and adamantine um so what i was like when the dragon could smell this powerful adamantine ring on wabu's finger it was like oh it's not just adamantine it's magical fantastic um and then he's like i can take that off for you if you want and then wabu was like can i keep my arm he's like probably not but you'll have the ring off uh, and i was i i was i was uh rocket raccoon in that moment going oh i'll get that arm <laughs> Uh, I was, I, I was ready. I was. If Mike gave me the the green light for even a half a second, I'm like, he bites your fucking arm off. I was so ready to take his arm. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Um, but uh, no, he was like, how about instead we go get you a cart full of metal from the town, and then we come back, and then you can have the ring along with the other cart. And you managed to roll a couple of decent persuasion checks, and he was like, oh, "Okay, that sounds pretty good, but you better come back with that ring, otherwise, you know, death and destruction." Um, yeah, and then uh, so you came back with the cart. Uh, you went and fought the dragon. I built him partially. I started with the template of the the adult mithril dragon that appears in Tome of Foes uh, by Cobalt Press, uh, which is a great stat block because um, he uh, he doesn't breathe an element he breathes shards of metal which I think is super super cool um, so I, I basically made him a little bit more buffed out than that I gave him some good armor I made him have a reactionary ability where he can use his wings as shields I gave him a legendary action where he can swing his tail and his tail is basically a, a great sword it's so sharp and metallic on the outsides it's like one uh, two. <laughs> it, it literally is it's literally like uh, it's it's eight D6? I think so. Plus I think, 8? I think you said it was like, like a Storm Giant's Greatsword or something. Uh, I think it's Fire Giant's Greatsword, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, that was... But I mean, game. like... Uh, but it, it's, not even a, it's not even two legendary actions. It's one legendary action. So he can do that three times a turn if he wants to. Or a round. Um, and, and he did. And he, he, <laughs> he, he was walloping Wabu with that multiple times. Um, so yeah, he has that. He has the shielded wings. So that I, I kind of built him to be like a dragon as a knight he has his wings as shields and he has his tail as a sword and he's all clad in armor which is like his own scales made of metal um he has some abilities where he can literally shoot spikes out everywhere his body's already covered in spikes so if you run up and slap him with a sword you take like 10 points of piercing damage um uh, if you get in close which is fine for you and uh, and bobby because you want barbs and so you get in close but you only take five damage each for each attack um, and then he has this other ability where he can... I think I called it Mithril Missile. as a play <laughs> on Magic Missile. I like that, though. I like that. Uh, and basically, all not, not a set number, but all creatures of his choosing within, like, 120 feet uh, just... It, it's Magic Missile, so they just take damage uh, as all these... He can basically grow the spikes a bit longer, and then they fire out in all directions. Kind of like the... Are they called the Singing Birds or the Whistling Birds in Mandalorian? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy, buddy. You, you know, you know the thing I'm talking about. I, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. The little wrist rockets he has, and they all fly out in all directions and take out anyone nearby him. Yeah, uh, it's a bit like that. So they all fly out and do like two uh, d six damage or something like that. He's 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 big. He's got a lot of health. He's got a lot of armor, uh, and he deals a lot of damage. Like even hitting him does damage. He does damage as an action. He does damage as a, uh, as a reaction. He can do damage as part of his uh, legendary actions. He basically he has a lot of ways to damage people. And he can uh, cast blur. And he cast blur. I was I I gave him a couple of for different spells. One sec, I think I was I have a stat block here. Blur uh, I gave, really messed us up though. 
Blur, Blur was way... Oh, I gave him lightning vulnerability because... Yeah. Uh, they made sense he's all metal in my mind I've um, never been angrier at myself for not rereading an item description than when I found out he had lightning uh, vulnerability and that fucking runestone takes an hour to apply which I could have done walking through the goddamn. oh mountains. yeah yeah so in, in this homebrew uh, set, setting the guys there you can pick up basically whetstones to sharpen your, your tools but they'll often have uh, giant runes carved into them and they're elemental ones so if you spend time sharpening your sword or your spear or whatever with that stone it takes on the elemental property of the rune uh, for I think if you, you it takes an hour to apply but then it lasts for like 8 hours Yeah. so it, it's a full adventuring day's worth of it I, um, I spent a week making that and then on the mission where it would have been the perfect tool I yeah, oh, I would have ended that fight way sooner. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. <laughs> I'm legitimately hey, still so upset at myself. Now, now you got it for next time. Um, but yeah, so he has lightning vulnerability. Um, I'm he, hoping next time I can just throw lightning bolts at someone like I've been planning for the last six months. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. He has a thing he has called guarded move where he can move up yeah. to half his speed without provoking opportunity attacks. It, the mithril, mithril missile thing costs two actions. It's 3d6 plus 3 force damage, is what it does. And again, if you're within 120 feet of him, you're guaranteed to get hit with that because it's like a magic missile. Mm. Um, he has Imacy. So his spells, he has Blur. Oh, at one point, I, yeah, so I cast Blur early on, and I'm like, this will be helpful to mitigate damage early on. And it did. Um, and then at another, later in the fight, I was thinking, maybe I'll cast Haste now to get an extra attack action. <laughs> Uh, and I thought, because he was kind of getting low on health, and I'm like, maybe he'd start, what's the word? He'd not quite like, death throws, but you like know, ferry. getting frantic. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he'd start getting desperate and start throwing out way more attacks. It's and I thought about it. It's the third phase of every Souls fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I thought, okay, well, he still gets a plus two to his AC with haste. Um, but I'm like, a plus two is not the same thing as uh, disadvantage in all attacks against him. Yeah. Advanti um, advantage on deck saves as well, though. It would have been advantage on deck saves, but he he actually has a, a plus nine on deck saves anyway. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a really dexterous. Um, but yeah, so you had haste. I'm like, okay, if I did that, if I did haste, what I'd get is I'd get an action where I can do a bite and two claws. Oh, his claws also do a thing where if you strike you, you bleed for six turns after it. Um, <laughs> and it's the the way I worked it out is that you take the initial damage on your next turn. You'll take six points. And I told, I think I got Gavin a couple times with this. I told him to take a D6, put it on the desk in front of him. And then next turn, you'll take six points of damage. Then you can turn it down. And the turn after that, you'll take five. And you keep turning the dice until it gets to one. And once it gets to one, the bleeding is just stopped. But you can also stop it like by patching yourself up or making a medicine check or using magic. So it's 21 damage, I think? If you just leave that uh, one all the way down? What? 6, 5 is 11, plus 4 is 15, plus 3 is 18, plus 2. Plus 21 points, yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean it's it, it's slow it's slow acting. So you have a lot of time. Like it, on, you can use an action, or you can use a healer's kit, or you can use any any sort of magical healing would also just stop it as well. Yeah, it, um, it was so late in the fight. By the time I got that, I just let it run down. I had enough health to like just leave it run down because I, yeah. I was more concerned with the fucking giant dragon that was kicking everyone's ass. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's really powerful, and I, I thought I was doing that so he would have made those two claw attacks, a bite attack, and his tail attack using his hasted action. He would have been really, really lethal. But he, the thing is, he like you definitely would have hit him every round then, because mm. he was still blocking some of them. Like his armor class is uh, is twenty. Yeah. Uh, but then he has this uh, his 
reaction wing ability, shield wing. He can uh, he can use a reaction on a single attack to add plus five to his armor class. So it, it's essentially a shield, but it doesn't last until the next round comes around like shield normally would. Yeah, I think I hit him like less than, I want to say like less than seven times. And I think like I hit him three times with my action search to try and drop blur. Like he was just, yeah, that was a hell of a monster. <laughs> he, his, his con saves are also plus 10. So like he, he you, you, you would have had to do like... 40 odd points of damage or something like that or 30 something points maybe 40 points and then like to have a good chance of 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 beating it because i mean he needs to beat a 10 in most uh, if you if you do anything less than a 20 on a single attack in damage he only needs to beat a 10 which means he can only fail that on an at one yeah yeah so yeah yeah i can maybe which is technically that. uh which is technically a saving throw and he does have legendary resistances so yeah i can maybe do that in a round but not in an attack yeah, I mean, again, if you like, if anyone was to crit or he did uh, or anything, <laughs> sorry, he did. He got Aerith crit him real bad at the start. Aerith hit him really hard, which is why I, I went for Aerith so hard after that. And Aerith hit in a hole for a lot of it. He, uh, spent, he spent like five rounds in a hole. <laughs> he, spent, he spent like five rounds hiding in the hole. And on, on the second round, I had the dragon go straight for him bury his head in the hole and like bite I think it bit him and scratched him a couple of times like I, I was actually they just updated D&D Beyond we discovered this in this fight yes they updated D&D Beyond to allow me as a DM to see live updates on when you take damage or heal up or anything like that um, I love that by I, the way that is one of the best updates they have yeah done. it's so good it's so good uh, but yeah it, so I and I was watching and none of the rest of you knew how close to Aerith how, how close to Aerith how close to death Aerith was for the entire fight because he only has about 70 or 80 health yeah and he and then the, dra the dragon wrecked him quiet, like, he keeps very quiet about his hit, his hit points like you'll know if he I'm does. getting low <laughs> oh yeah you'll, yeah you'll be like you'll be like oh, uh, you'll be making faces and, and kind of stuff like you'll that you'll see me just looking through all of my like you won't see my sheets but you'll see me like reading lots of stuff while I'm just looking for a way out <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah. So and then like he was. I remember he was like, he made a really. At one point, Wabu went down, mm -hmm. and he was the nearest person to it. He was in the hole, but Wabu was just up outside the hole, and he uh, he made a very tactical decision because he looked at the dice on his desk, and it was going to do like four points of damage or something like that, and he had six points left. So he's like, I know I can go and heal Wabu with my action now. And then on the next turn or whatever, I'll take four points and be on two. But I know I have one round left. And I'm like, you're playing with some fire there that I would not be comfortable with if I were you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he made, he made a very tactical judgment in that in that moment. Went and healed Wabu with his action rather than patching himself up. Uh, got Wabu back up with a few hit points. And then, uh, and then got back in the hole. And then on the next round, took four damage. <laughs> now he's down to two. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think then, because uh, you, you take the damage at the start of your turn, uh, so then he he took the damage and he immediately went, right, I'm going to drink this health potion or whatever. And we were, I was like, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> he was at the very top of the initiative as well, and I was watching his health go from like from like 6 to 2 to 10 to 4. Like It was just bouncing around in like single digits and, and in the 10s and stuff like that for a while. Um, but yeah, eventually you guys... Uh, oh, I sh we, should, we have to talk about the winter killing blow because it was... <laughs> Every you know you know that uh, that scene in The Simpsons where the guy in the Cayman Islands is talking about that particular customer's illegal account. He's like, oh no, I shouldn't have said the account was illegal. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I shouldn't have said he was a customer. 
That was that was me when Dan got the winning blow with Arkham, who is our uh, our halfling warlock. He was hanging back as he should because he's quite squishy for most of the fight. And at a certain point where I had Wabu down and Aerith was really messed up and you'd taken a good two hits as well, I was like, I haven't hit Dan at all. I'm going to go and wreck him for a minute. <laughs> I'm going to go over and I'm going to bite and double claw and I'm going to do a lot of damage and put a fear in him a little bit. And I moved the dragon over there with his legendary action so he can move half the speed. So he flew over there. He's right next to him. And, but like, what I didn't realize, it's Dan's turn next. And I'm like, in my head, all I thought is, okay, if he tries to move away, he'll get an attack opportunity. So at least I'll get to probably hit him once. Uh, what I didn't think is that Dan would stand his ground. That Not only that, Dan, I give Dan this bloody ring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to see that from another DM for once. Uh, I gave Dan this ring where um, it's basically he ba he wanted to based off of the Dresden files, which yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't read. But Dan Dan's been re uh, I think reading. I think it's like whatever. Harry Dresden has like a cane that absorbs like a certain amount of kinetic energy every time he moves it when he walks with it, and it like it's, it's a it it's a storm. ring. So I think as his hand is yeah. swinging as That's he walks, it, yeah. uh, it's constantly just building up little bits of momentum and, and kinetic energy uh, or potential energy, I suppose it would be over. Um, over the course of like a week or whatever, yeah. and then if he if he hits someone, and he, uh, Dan told me when he when he got it, he's like, oh, there's like he's always worried it might go off accidentally if it if it if it because there's so much uh, unstable energy in it. So I, I he built a ring with a couple of uh, monster parts you guys got, and he had someone build it for him, uh, and it does the same thing. It's literally, it's like it can store a total of like five d eight, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and every day that you wake up in the morning, you have to make a roll. Uh, on the first day, it's it's a you, if you get a, if you get a natural one, you take a D8 force damage immediately because the ring accidentally like goes off. Um, on the second day, it's a two or less. On the third day, it's three or less. So at the very most, when it's fully charged, you'll have a twenty five percent chance of it going off in the morning because you'll have a five or less it will go off. <laughs> one in four. I can't wait for the morning. <laughs> like, all right, we're gonna rest before this boss fight. And like. All of you guys are startled awake by Arkham screaming in pain in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> team Rockets. Um, team Rocket, like, yeah. Um, so it's really good, but if he lets it charge up fully, it gets 5d8 of force damage. So he can apply to... I think I said he can apply it to any melee attack, but maybe it's... Just, I have to look at the stat. Oh, I, I, one second. What was I saying? I have it here. Yeah. Uh, I think it's down as, like, kinetic ring or something like that. I'm actually in my... I'm already in my homebrew thing, so it's fine. Uh, there we go. Ring of Kinetic Charging. Uh, uh, let's see here now. Uh, force the target muscle. Oh yeah. So when the ring, uh, when the energy is released, when you, oh yeah, when you successfully hit with a, a melee attack against a creature or object, it so it has to be a melee attack. Uh, the potential energy inside is released. Uh, when the energy is released, the ring takes. It, it has to release all of its. You can't just release a, a D8 yeah. or two at a time. It has to be all of its energy at once. Um, the the damage was force and then the target also has to make a save or be knocked back um 10 feet um so this so dan has that on his hand he wears the ring on his hand and it's constantly build up energy i go up to dan i'm like he's the squishy warlock the dragon's gonna hit him a couple of times just to put the fear in him and we'll see how things go next round then uh, or he'll try and move away he'll flee because he doesn't want to be up close on this dragon uh dan is like he, he's thinking for a second and then he's just like I'm going to try something. It might be very stupid. He's like, I'm going to cast Shocking Grasp. And I was like, I was like, okay. I'm like, oh no. 
Shock and Grasp is a, is a lightning spell. I'm like, oh no, Dan has that ring. Oh no, <laughs> he gets advantage on the dragon because the dragon's made of metal. <laughs> and, and there was just this, like these three stages of realization and I was like, oh no. So Dan gets advantage on the roll. He's like, I'm just going to slap it with my bare hand. I'm going to slap the dragon. We're going to put all the force damage in if it hits. And I'm like, you can totally do that. So he makes the attack. Uh, he has advantage. Uh, he does a lightning damage, which is doubled. Actually, he has advantage. He crits. Mm -hmm. So he does lightning damage. It's doubled because the dragon's vulnerable. It's also doubled because it's a crit. He then rolls his 5d8 force damage, which is also doubled because of the crit. And he does, he doesn't even roll particularly high, but he does like 60-something points of force damage, uh, force and lightning damage, and bang, kills the dragon instantly. And uh, I was just like, that ended so quickly. <laughs> I, I was In my head, I was like, that dragon's got like a round and a half, maybe two rounds left in him. And Dan was just like, electric force bitch slap and kill the dragon instantly and i was like wow that was insane yeah that was the moment i remember i realized about the yeah that was the moment when i was like got uber salty and i was like i gotta oh god yeah no fuck that i hate that <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it was uh, it was a great kill we ended the session there then the next session i'm, I'm ranting on for a bit actually to make quick fair what time are we at because i didn't set a clock because uh, i'm out of practice 25 minutes is that all yeah like 25 20 if you want to be specific about it uh i do martin i've decided i do want to be specific about it thank you for that so 25 okay cool uh so so i'm set a clock here for myself uh on the next day uh you guys head back to town you bring a trophy from the dragon actually no sorry you spent like a good like you spent hours and hours yeah we didn't like, long rest either we like short rested after that we didn't long rest yeah but like you spent hours and hours like carving up this dragon. You're like, I want some scales, I want some teeth, I want its heartstrings, I want its you wanted its like femur or whatever. Yep. yep. Um like you guys tore like this dragon to, like, to pieces. Um went back to town, uh kinda of went to go and turn in your quest essentially with the Marquis. Um in the time that you were gone, the Marquis had gotten in touch with some of the other nobility in Temurai which is the city you guys recently fled because you were involved with the resistance um, and the town is currently under occupation uh, by the Empire. So he got in touch with people he knows in, in Temurai. They were like, oh my god, you know those people? Those people are crazy criminals. Um, they like blew up a, a ship in the middle of the town and they, they've attacked this person and all this. He's like, yeah, no, they're bad news. So he's like, oh no. And then they're like, don't worry, we'll immediately send some inquisitors to help you. And he's like, oh, brilliant, okay. So you guys came back, went to go meet with the Marquis. Uh, little did you know that there were... Uh, the Marquis had his right-hand man, who was a dragonborn paladin, sort of, mm. leave the room. Uh, and he was coming back, and you like decided... You're like, I don't, I don't trust this. So you decided to have a look out the door. And as you did, you saw him outside talking with someone who's very obviously dressed in Empire colors. Um, and a fight kicked off, and it was... Well, you guys thought it was like the Marquis, the Dragonborn, and this Inquisitor, but there were actually two other Inquisitors because I was using the thing from Van Richten's, the Inquisitors of the Blade, mm -hmm. or the Sword, um, who can cast greater invisibility. <laughs> um, and you didn't realize there was two other ones already in the room with you. Uh, Metal Gear Solid reference there for people. Um, if, you, if you don't know what you want, I'm not going to explain it. Um, I nearly broke my headset. 
<laughs> if you're not a uh, snake, the guys who stole the active camera were in the elevator with you. Um, uh, that makes sense. Conversely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was basically that kind of situation. The fight was going bad. You guys got some good hits, but it was going badly. Um, and at one point, everyone was unconscious except for Arkham because mm. he was on the broom hovering up in the air. And they, like you got that you got downed by the Dragonborn. Wabu got down by the other Inquisitor, and then the the last Inquisitor, because the other Inquisitor accidentally got its its, its invisibility knocked off, so it, it it um he was just fighting in the open. Uh, but the there was a second one there that was invisible for the entire fight, and like you guys just were not landing blows on him, so he was not making any saves for his uh, his concentration. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so one of them is standing over Wabu, one of the Dragonborn standing over you. Uh, the Marcus turns around and he's like, just throw down your weapons and surrender. He's like, he's trying to give you like a, an option to just come in quietly and be arrested. He's like, throw down your weapons and just surrender. Um, and then I think Arkham tried to like... I don't believe he like... gave us that option. I think it was Arkham bar tried to bargain that option. and Because you, you had Arkham make a persuasion check and he failed. And then you might just went, kill the killed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was something. I, I remember he kind of. I mean, well, no, sorry. Maybe in my head, I was thinking it was he. Would, before that, as well, he had tried to kill Aerith. Uh well, is this? Oh, sorry. Is this? Who's this now? Who tried to kill Aerith? So uh, it was one, one, no, one of the Inquisitors, because one of the Inquisitors downed oh, Aerith yeah. before everyone else got downed. Aerith, Aerith was downed, and he was on like he had like one death saving throw failed already, and then yes, you went and then you went to finish the job. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. So what? And here's the thing, right? Uh, so Aerith was down first. I think then Wabu went. Then you went. And then at that point, it was like, oh, things are grim. Actually, sorry. Arkham was up. So was your dog Frost, who was feared uh, again. Who was also. Feared. I forgot to mention that Frost was feared or uh, frightened of the dragon for the entirety of the dragon fight. Mm -hmm. He didn't. He hid in the corner. He couldn't get near the dragon because of the frightened he condition. He did nothing. He didn't know anything. Now, to be fair, I, I don't think he took a little bit of damage, but not much. Um, no, he took but... no damage. He took no damage. Oh, no damage at all. No Because no. uh, you feared him, and then he had to run all the way back. <laughs> yeah, so he was just hanging back the entire fight. Yeah. Um. So that was Frost with Amber Frost. And in this fight, Frost did get a few hits in this one, but he also... He, was uh, he did get for, feared again. I would say, yeah, but... I would say 85% of the fight. <laughs> yeah. Um... We need to work on uh, on Frost's wisdom save. He has better wisdom than Lug! <laughs> He's got a 16 wisdom. Doesn't he also have Indomitable? Yes! It failed! <laughs> and you also give him advantage when I went down. Because you're like, oh, he saw his ma- And you let me let me make the save at the start of the thing. Because you're like, oh, he just sees his master go down. Like, he gets a, a surge of adrenaline. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I thought, like, okay, he's just seen his master go down. This is a war dog. Yeah. If ever there's a time for him to, to get the let out and go... It's now. So I, I think I let you roll. You let me roll at the start. At the start, and with advantage. And with advantage, and and you and he still failed. I rolled a one and a three. Yeah. <laughs> um, something else I forgot to mention. Uh, I should I should state this fight happened later in the day after the dragon fight. So you guys had like short rested, but you didn't long rest. Yeah. Um, and a lot, like a lot of you were still missing some abilities and uh, and stuff like that. I actually had um, most of my stuff because we short rested because like um I like on my. Stuff. All my big stuff is at the moment is mostly fighter stuff, or and my barb stuff doesn't run out because it's either my reaction or just a, f a, f a feature of my rage. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, Arkham would have been down a couple of spells, lots, and Aerith 
was down i think like his blood maledicts or long rest mm, i'd have to check that but yeah so yeah it was basically that they weren't uh we, we you weren't guys weren't at full spec yeah. yeah um so uh yes you're you're right about that because what happened was the final invisible uh inquisitor when he saw how how the room was he did a, a jump he can like teleport as a bonus action um, he teleported into the air right next to Arkham, who's on his broom, and he was going to make one swipe as he dropped down from that position. He made the attack and missed. Um, and then he, but directly below Arkham was Aerith, who had already, I think, already failed a death save. He had, what, he um, would, yeah, he had one death save done already. So he landed right above him, and I'm like, okay, he can't teleport again, so he can't get back up to, uh, to Arkham to try and make another swipe. But Aerith is basically stands, like lying unconscious between his legs right now. So he's like, okay, what's he going to do? And like, I was there and I was like, I was going, oh, I mean, I don't really have a choice. While I was doing that, Gavin was messaging me and he was like, do it, drive it home. Don't be a pussy about it. Make the point. <laughs> he was sending similar messages to me being like, if he doesn't kill me here. <laughs> yeah he was he was I, I see my phone on the table it keeps lighting up and he's like do it fucking do it <laughs> <laughs> and he meant it like Gav, gavin is like of all the people in the party gavin has the least uh attachment i think to his character i think he likes his character a lot mm. but uh and he loves playing him and stuff and he, he put a lot of time into him but i also think that if his character died tomorrow gavin is the person who would be the least disappointed he'd be like brilliant let's make a new character you know he doesn't have a, um, cost, a custom dice box made specifically for his character no he does not um so yeah so gavin was doing that and i was like yeah i mean look i i really have no option here i'm gonna have to make an attack so to kind of make it dramatic what i did was i described the inquisitor dropping his invisibility looking directly up at arkham and pulling his hood back and kind of smirking at him like i'm gonna kill your friend now and then i rolled the attack with advantage because he's prone right in front of him mm -hmm. i rolled the attack with advantage uh and i got like i got i got a 16 and I'm like, Eric's AC is 16, right? I'm like, Eric, what's, what's your AC? And he's just like, 18. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow with advantage mm -hmm. and you being unconscious, he still missed. And I, so the only way I could explain it is that he looked up at, at uh, Arkham to be like dramatic and kind of make a point about it. And while doing that, went to go stab down and missed the stab the floor as a result because he wasn't looking right. Uh, and he, yeah, he wasted a second attack. So I was like, I don't believe that. That was insane. We go around, it's the next round, and I think that's when Arkham tried to, to bargain with the Marquis. Mm. Uh oh, I think yeah, I think he failed the um He failed he failed the persuasion. The persuasion. Yeah. He got And then I think the Marquis was all like the Marquis was like, Oh, just throw down your weapons, you know, let it let it go. And then uh, and uh, Arkham was just like, There is no way I'm going back to jail <laughs> which is a very valid point because they had a rough time in jail. Yeah, they did. Um so it came, so at this point then the dragonborn is over you you're face down flayed out on the ground the dragonborn is standing over you with a great axe yeah and he's he's holding his action and he's waiting for his uh for the marquis who is his lord to give him the command he's not going to do it without his lord's command you know uh and he's holding his action and the, uh, when arkham says i'm not doing that i'm not, not going not to give up he points at your man and goes do it and he attacks you Yep. And brings the hammer down on you. Or brings the axe down on you. At this so point, again, I... I had sent you a character sheet about 20 minutes previous. <laughs> you had done, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that happened. And then you... Uh, you Oh, so I rolled again. And again, and I like... Here's the th like... I rolled again, and I rolled 
crap i rolled like a three and a four i like but they were both below five anyway with advantage they were both below five and i'm like and even though he has like a plus nine or plus ten or something like that i'm like uh, that's not enough to hit you. So the only, and again, so I'm like, I'm struggling to de- like describe how that would even make sense. And I'm like, oh, you do have like adamantine armor. So I'm like, oh, it hits the back plate of your armor, and you just hear this this ring kind of echo throughout the room. Uh, and he, that he he doesn't know the armor is there because your cloak is covering it, so he doesn't know there's a there's a back plate, and he hits it direct on. And because it's adamantine, his axe just bounces straight off of it. Um, in the next round, things turn around dramatically. Um, Arkham uses action to heal Aerith, I want to say, and then his he, feel my potion. He healed me. Was oh no, you no, sorry, no. What he did was he uh, it, and full credit to Dan. This was a he- this was probably the game saving play, okay. um, or campaign saving rather, because we were all gonna die. Um, I, I was genuinely like the thought, and it hasn't come up ever in the campaign so far. But I was genuinely at a point where like I, I thought about what if this character dies before and how I will write that in and how it will work inside the game i've that's the only time in this campaign so far where i've been like do i just stop the campaign so do we just start a different campaign do i have to start do, <laughs> do i just have to give up on this story and we'll come back in 10 years time in the future in this and all the repercussions will be there mm. so yeah yeah but uh full credit to him he used his he uses his action to feed Aerith a greater healing potion i believe it was and then uses his bonus action looks at wabu and says get the fuck up and kill these motherfuckers and you cast healing word and Wabu like rises between the two inquisitors of both swords just like ready to murder and then he saved my fucking life by running full speed across the room with his rage and pushing the guy off me so he wasn't standing over me anymore yes that was it and because he he yeah. got up and when he got up he it was his turn yeah he immediately made two attacks or no one attack and like just sli- I, I described it as he stood up he just sliced up this inquisitor and just bisected him yeah and then he, he used all his movement to hop over a table and run to you and he used a second action to shove your man and he succeeded and he pushed the dragonborn back so he was it was like you on the ground mm. it was like wabu protecting you and the dragonborn here and the thing is wabu did not have the health to be protecting you right there but he did it anyway and it was awesome yeah um then, and he stood over you yeah then dan healed me and i got back up and then because i was up i was able to use the thing i wanted to use before i got knocked unconscious which was my cut my spheres call of the moon ability so i can yes. heal everybody and get some attacks off so i get up i i and because it's now after dark it's 3d6 and i actually get a pretty nice roll i think i got a 12 so like yeah everyone within 30 feet is my ally got 12 temporary hit points which is big uh and also wabu who is standing in front of the dragonborn who just tried to kill me uh, who I told I would kill him if he doesn't kill me when he, when he did this. I go, cut his head off. And Wabu did just that. Oh, that's right, yes, because as part of so the Call of the Moon thing with the spear, it gives you 2d6 um, hit, uh, temporary hit points to all your allies within 30 feet. Uh, if it's da- if it's daytime, but if it's after dark, it gives you 3d6 instead. It does. Um, and it also lets you... It's, it's higher feature is that... Um, each person can either use half their movement to move towards you without provoking opportunity attacks, so you can kind of regroup, mm-hmm. or uh, that person can use their reaction if they have it to make a single uh, weapon attack. Uh, and Wabu was right there, made the attack on a guy, and just cut his head clean off. And it, he, I think he wounded him in the shoulder, and then your man was down, and I'm like, he's basically dead, so I was like, how do you want to do this? Oh, no, uh, I, I, I fucked up his shoulder, because I crit him before he knocked me unconscious. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's right, yes, yeah, you... you, you Wrecked his arm, yeah. And then uh, I just describe, like, he gets down, 
uh, he's on his knees. He's looking up at Wabu. Wabu's there with his swords. Um, and he just he's he's just kind of he's not happy, but he's like he's like I've served my master, uh, and I've served him well. And he just accepts that this is his moment. And Wabu cuts his head clean off. Done. So the Inquisitor went down. The first one Inquisitor went down. The uh, the Dragonborn went down. Mm-hmm. The Marquis made a beeline for a secret passage in a bookshelf uh, and escaped. And then the last Inquisitor was left with all you guys. And he'd taken no damage so far, but he took a couple hits then in the next round or so. I think yeah. he tried to protect the Marquis. Yeah, he, uh, and, he did, and, yeah. And then, like, and then, uh, Frost decided to be useful for the first time in the fight and passed his fear. And that was really helpful because that guy... I don't even, did, he, did he pass his fear or was it the fact that the Dragonborn was now dead and he was no Dragon, longer feared? Dragonborn was dead. That was it. That was it. Yeah, the Dragonborn died so Frost wasn't afraid anymore. So he decided to contribute. And yeah, very, very helpful because at one point the Inquisitor tried to run away and Frost mm-hmm. has a knock-prone save on his bite attack and he yeah. got it. And that guy basically tried to run away. Frost grabbed him by the ankle and pulled him onto the ground. And then the rest of the party came in and went stab, 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 stab. Yeah. And it did not end uh, well for him. No, yeah, so that, like, honestly, he, the thing is, he was getting away if you guys, uh, if you guys hadn't, if, if Frost hadn't knocked him prone, because he took the opportunity of attack, and I was taking a risk there, but I, I'm like, it's the only way he's going to get away if he takes his opportunity of attack. I think it might have only been Frost beside him as well, like, so, not exactly it was. the most dangerous person to ch- take that chance with. Yeah, so he, and he was more, and he had, like I said, he'd taken very little damage over the fight, so, uh, he takes, he try he takes it, Frost hits. He fails his strength save. He he falls prone, so he can't actually run away. And then everyone runs in, and he runs prone, and everyone's just like advantage, 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 <laughs> stab, 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 dead. And I'm like, all right, that was over. That guy went from having no damage for like the first like five or six rounds or whatever, however long the fight lasted, to being mercilessly stabbed to death in the in the final round. We also learned uh, that Aerith is a hell of a hand with a scimitar <laughs> dear god Eric starting getting into oh, yeah. melee combat only only recently and dear god the damage he does with a scimitar he's uh yeah he, he said so. he's had um uh he's had a scimitar i think for a while or a oh, scimitar yeah. for a while but uh he just doesn't he's he's primarily a ranged guy so yeah i just was i was not expecting him just to come in and slice that guy up as like he did but yeah it was an, an awesome session and i believe we then fled on the back of a giant um like uh, like a sapphire scarab beetle I believe out the window yeah. and off into the mountains because we really didn't know where to go yeah um, so yeah things things ended on a really crazy note and we haven't been back now since that that's yeah. we, we haven't played for about three weeks we also uh, didn't get the dragon sword uh, the dragon sword the dragon's horde yeah we didn't get the dragon oh sorry i thought you said the dragon sword not the dragon's horde yes we also didn't get paid uh you also didn't get paid that's right (laughs) because uh because he tried to kill you instead i had so Um, i had so much that gold was planned for i'm yeah Uh, yeah and uh and you i think he tried to search the the mountains he spent a few hours searching the mountains trying to see if there's any sign of the dragon's horde dragon's horde not dragon sword um but yeah couldn't uh couldn't couldn't find it um thing is thing is like this dragon's been here a long time and you know uh multiple adventures before you guys have tried to find the horde uh so it's very much a kind of uh it's it's out there but um it's more than you can it, like it, it will take more than like a single investigation check or perception check and you know eight hours of work this is the kind of thing you may need to be uh searching the mountains for uh for 
you know, weeks or even months. Now that the dragon's gone, you can do that more or less safely as well. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was the crazy couple sessions we had uh, the last time we played. That's uh, two times we played in uh, in the Asteria game. Uh, it was dramatic. Like I said, that fight took a turn. Uh, and I, I made it to be challenging. It but was extremely it, challenging. Yeah. And I also, I also had a, a very... I, like if you guys decided, oh, we're not going to go back to the bar until tomorrow. We're going to sleep, and then we're going to visit him in the morning. I'd have been totally fine with that as well. Might have made a bit of a difference. Um, but I, I also don't. Um, I, I was kind of planning that this is something that would happen after the dragon fight, so you'd already be weak. And the Marquis is kind of banking on that too. He's like, we'll get him when they come back from the dragon fight. Um, but yeah, it took a. It was one of those moments where I had in the middle of the fight. X amount of people were unconscious. This person was like uh, uh, about to land a hit on who or whatever, and and I was just kind of like, I am not in control right now. This is out of my control. Life. I my hands are not on the wheel. <laughs> yeah, I got that feeling about turn three for myself, <laughs> not for you, for myself. I was like, this is no, no, this isn't good. When when uh when I got when I got to my first actual action, and I hadn't harmed any of them, I had taken half my hit points and damage, and I had hurt my my party member for thirty HP. I was like. <sighs> This isn't going well. That's right, because Aerith ran up to you in the doorway, but didn't realize the Inquisitor had mind-controlled you and basically told you to go around and make two attacks on Aerith straight away. So, yeah. it. Uh, and then I think, was it a breath weapon? Was it a necrotic breath weapon that got uh, from the Dragonborn? I think that was just fear, wasn't it? That was just a fear breath? Mm, no, I think... No, his fear... I'd have to double check. Maybe it is a breath weapon as well, but it, it does necrotic damage as well. Um, or maybe he hit you with his axe a couple of times, because yeah. I know that does, like... A, a few dice worth of necrotic and then a d12 because it's, it's yeah, a great axe it, it certainly does <laughs> it certainly yeah. fucking does uh you uh yeah so that was it you uh you said you had some interesting stuff with uh with your yeah um we're your game. we're rapidly approaching the end of our whole like what's turned from fan standard fantasy giant arc into sci-fi fantasy giant arc mm -hmm. with the with the techno uh techno vikings as my party have so um lovingly decided to person them uh yeah so basically the guys are uh for recap they're exploring all these floating castles that they found in the sky uh, above a uh, a village that one of them is from that had basically been overtaken by a storm and all of the inhabitants had vanished uh they jump into the storm get up find themselves in a floating castle they work their way out of the castle fighting a couple of uh, mechanical constructs uh they destroy an anti-magic circle that was keeping the doors shut uh, and then head okay. outside and outside on the wall is the it's basically a warning from the owner of the castle uh the storm monarch uh and then they find a teleportation circle basically it's, it's stargate um you where you slot the runes in i, I really appreciate that and it basically basically it, it's like a stargate <clears throat> in a circuit where like it, there's there's stones specific runes on them and when you slot them in they correspond to certain castles but only certain castles can go to other castles like you can't go from castle one to castle nine you go like one, right. one can go to two and three uh three can go to five and uh, i think five and six two goes to four and then there's a book I've it all written down on the page it's, I made it way too complicated for myself um, and I also had to fill nine castles with stuff but they basically they went to they went to one after a couple of different boss fights and this one was different in that it was this large almost fully intact which is the first one that they've come across most of them seem to show damage from like dragons or battles or something like that this one is this like fully intact eight, uh, eight sided building uh, and one of the like uh, part one of the like um I want to say one of the walls are like they kind of uh, I can't I cannot think of the goddamn name the turret one of the one of the walls of the turret has been replaced by 
a giant like observatory like uh, structure with like a t- huge telescope coming out of it. Um, so they go in and on the fir- they discovered that like if they go in and there's the parts that just go above and then there's four floors that go straight down all in that octagonal pattern and they find diff- like the first floor they go into seems to be kind of an entry floor they find like a room that has a library with a bunch of books in it um but, but it looks more like a personal collection rather than uh, that thing then they go into the other one and then they, and they find an observatory with um like star charts of all uh, asteroid impacts on the continent that they're on for the last 200 years uh, mm. There's also a map of the giant cosmos on the wall, and they do also use the giant telescope. It's it's like um, I set it up like you know like when you're getting your eyes tested and you have to pull the thing down. Yeah, it's like that. Well, like you you sit into this giant like the do you know the Osmodius chair out of DC. I think that's I, it's like the god of knowledge and the new gods in in DC has this chair the Mobius chair that's it sorry and he like sits in this chair at one point Batman gets into the chair uh, but it, it gives him knowledge of everything and so it started like that where they, they sit down into it and then this big huge contraption lowers over their head and they just see out through the telescope and they see this like twinkling red star way off in the distance and that's also marked on the uh, cosmology map the giant cosmology map uh, and they're like oh that's interesting they start descending the floors the first floor that they find has like plans on the wall for um, the creation of the cre- of the big land of the sky swimmers that they fought previously they also find plans for like a giant uh, a giant sized sky ship shaped like a long ship pulled by one of these creatures um, mm-hmm. for transporting troops uh, and then they go down to the next floor and that floor is like an arcana forge and they find like shards of um they f- I, because my blood hunter had a really really good investigation check i think got like a 26 he moved a bunch of rubble aside and found a small case with uh, i think it was three ingots of what i call it what i'm calling storm steel and it's like uh, it's a piece of it's a piece of it's an ingot it's steel ingot that's been left out on a mountain peak overnight in a thunderstorm to absorb the magical mm. energy of the storm and it has like inbuilt lightning properties so like if you forge a weapon from it it does an extra d4 lightning damage that's pretty cool uh, so we found some of that which would be interesting to see what they do with it they keep descending the floor the floors anyway and they go down to the bottom one they find uh, that there's a statue of the giant le- of the old giant leader who was defeated by a hero ages past um called donnerstein and he's like standing there and he's got like his hand out like that uh sorry no he's got i think yeah that was it it was he's got like I think it was like this or something and then they basically work it's a it's a puzzle with the statue and they work it out and they press a few buttons and basically the, the statue's arm swings around to come out like this and like it's like reaching out towards them and when it does they see that there's a little rune carved into the palm of the statue and it says lightning so my sorcerer reaches out and touches the palm and casts shock and grasp and that lights up a rune hidden uh, on the base of the statue and uh, there's nine runes she does that nine more times and then all of them light up, the statue slides back, and what looked like a, a kind of fancy castle with observatory reveals these like chrome steel octagonal steps that descend very sci-fi style into a sub-basement. They go down in there and they basically find like a doom style scientific facility set up. Um, and they work they go through various things, they find like evidence of like like vivisection and like experimentation on like live subjects. They find mm. all these like really horrific like scientific abuses going on. Um, and also a lot of dead things uh, which my handily my blood hunter is able to go grim psychometry and figure out what's going on so they're able to kind of go mm-hmm. through things and they, they come across some that doors grim psychometry, sorry. Yeah, the day he just <laughs> solved the puzzle because I made the puzzle with skulls was the day I was like I need to rethink yeah. how I approach things with this 
Um, but basically, they, they figured out, and there's like these panels, very similar to what you did actually with the um, mind flare stuff, the mind flare, Jesus. Um, they touch the they touch the panel, make an intelligence check, and if it, they're all high enough, the door opens. So they go through that, and eventually they f- make their way into this place that they see listed called the Carrion Forge, and they Ooh. they go in there. And there's banks of computers with all this data on it, just running running tests, basically. And then there's these two huge steel tubes either side or the middle of the room uh, that are locked closed. And one has the initials ABS uh, inscribed on it, and the other one has the initials NULL inscribed on it. Uh, and the whole way through, they've seen, like, arms and limbs and various kind of creatures suspended in, like, tubes of green, uh, tubes of green material with, like blades like grafted onto the arm bones and stuff like looks like they're like making like biological weapons ah they're making deadpools from that terrible movie <laughs> <laughs> oh god but anyway they, they're exploring this and they go, they go to leave the room and a screen descends from the from the top from the ceiling and it's the science advisor to the old leader of the giants mimir which i thought was a good name for a science advisor for giants mimir the smartest yeah. man in the universe in north mythology uh, and they discover that he has heavily, heavily mechanically enhanced himself. Basically, this half of his face is, it from here on, is like biological. This eye has mm-hmm. been replaced by a big sensor eye, and there's all like steel and chromium body parts now. He's basically like half by half mechanical. And he kind of he looks at them and he, he goes, kind of like, oh, I've been watching you since you've come in here. I'm very interested in what you propose. And he like specifically addresses my um, sorcerer, who this is kind of her backstory. He goes, you're very interesting. You're you're dragon blood. We are our old, the blood of our old enemy. We're there's something about you that I don't yet understand, but I will. And they're kind of get awkward. He goes, "Let's see how you do." And he like reaches back and hits a button on the wall, and the two cases, uh, the two tubes open, and a an Aorian absorber and an Aorian oh, yeah. nullifier come out. And probably what weirdly for what I thought was just be a mid tier fight for my guys was one of the hardest because they had all grouped together. So the nullifier just runs forward right up on them and cast, uh, like within, I think it was within 10 feet, and casts, uh, what's that 8th level spell? Um, Anti-Magic Field? Yeah. And catches the whole party. Yeah. Actually, no, everyone but my rogue, but my swashbuckler rogue, and I go, uh, okay, uh, Mandrai, our wildfire spirit, your um, wildfire spirit, your summoned wildfire spirit disappears. Um, all your magic items, except for your vestiges, all stop working. Ooh, I like that. That the vestiges would still work. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I felt because they're, a, it's like they're a tier above regular magic items. Like they still worked, um, but basically anything else they, did, they didn't work. Any magic class abilities didn't work. Any spells couldn't be cast. Uh, at one point, my, uh, oh, it was, it was a real sickener. At one point, my, my sorcerer, she manages to get out of the anti magic field, and I said, I described to her how she can feel all the magic return, like it rushes through her veins again. And yeah, she, yeah. she looks at the guy and casts uh, disintegrate straight on him. Uh, but if you read the wording of anti magic fields, can't pass in or out of the fields. So the crackling green energy beam goes straight through, hits the barrier and stops. Yeah. And she's so upset, and I, I can see everyone being like, "No!" Uh, and I, I felt gutted for her as well. But then, that, but that's the equivalent to wasting her ult in Overwatch. <laughs> yeah. But then my blood hunter reminded me I hadn't rolled concentration checks for the attacks he had done the previous round. Roll mm. the first one, that one. Anti magic field is gone. Disintegrate does hit. Hits him for like eighty four damage. <laughs> I'm like, nice. oh, okay, okay, we're interesting now. And once that's down, it's literally like, all right, it's like Rock Lee taking off the leg weights. Everyone just starts going. 
and you know, I, I, I watch that scene like so often. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just be bored and I'm like, I'm going to watch that scene for the eighth time in the last two days. I, that's what I run to in the gym. I, I play that and I just I set the, the bloody treadmill as high as I, as I am able to cope with. And then for five minutes solid, I will just book it. And it's, oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, but they, they basically hear them anyway. Uh, the, the screen, the settings again, and, they get, and the, the science officer Mamir is like, very, you're very interesting. Uh, the fact you dealt with them quite handily is very impressive. He goes, come pay me a visit, and clicks another button, and like a, a series of doors opens into another section, leads them in. One section leads straight down, and there's tunnels off to the left, the tunnels off to the right. So they go off to the left, and they start checking out this area. And in this area, they find like two or three other side doors they can go into. And one of the doors they go into has this like, it's like a specimen wall, basically. And one of them is an entire nervous system with organs just suspended in liquid. Like, you know, with no flesh and no bones. No flesh or no bones, just all cool. like all the nerve endings, everything. Yeah. Basically. Almost like, what, almost like a 3D render of it. Yeah. Or if you've ever seen like that, the body exhibit, they've done, they do stuff. It's what inspired mm. it. Um, but they do that and like they don't know if it's alive so my sorcerer casts message to it because they can see the eyeballs moving and watching them um, yeah so they cast message to it and she gets a message back and it's just kill me repeated as many times message will allow oh god that's dark yeah it, it, it was someone who had their entire nervous system brain eyes and organs magically removed and put in suspended animation but they're still aware of it yeah. that uh it's, it's, can, I, can I stop you for a second sure. and compliment you on your uh, first of all I, I'm and please don't take this the wrong way I don't consider you a sci-fi guy um, I don't think sci-fi is your your, your go-to I think fantasy is your thing like lies sure. in a, um, uh, feel free to watch our episode about uh, sci-fi does sci-fi yeah. belong in your D&D game because we talk a lot about what is and isn't fantasy and sci-fi basically is fantasy and it's all kind of the same when you think about it Indeed. Um, but, uh, but yeah I mean like I I, I tend to think about you as being a very fantasy, as in traditional magic and monster and sword and shield type yeah. fantasy person. Um, so that uh, when you told me you were doing an arc where you're like, oh, it'd be like technological giants, I was like, that's surprising, but also I'm very interested to see what you do. This all sounds really, really cool. Um, yeah, it, I do really, really like... So you, what's your man's name? Namir? Namir, yeah. Namir is yeah. the science officer to the giant leader, and his uh, the giant leader is Donnerstein, which means Thunder Ram in German. Uh, he um, pardon me. Um, the having uh, Mimir as the uh, chief science officer is is honestly so. Uh, if like you said in Norse mythology, he's the the man who the most smartest man in the world. He knows everything. Yeah. Um, and if you played um the twenty sixteen yeah. God of War game, yeah. he's the he's the separate head you carry. Twenty eighteen. No, uh, he uh, uh, in Norse mythology. You carry him on your belt. Yeah, in Norse mythology, he guards a well that um you can sacrifice into to gain knowledge and that's the well that odin cuts his eye out in and leaves his he leaves his eye in the well and he gains right. knowledge he gains the knowledge of everything from the well um I, I was just looking for like an appropriately like nordic name for a science bad guy and i was like that, uh, that's honestly really cool i mean i think that's honestly really really inspired that you would take like that that you would take that but then you would also be like oh and then add all the science sci-fi stuff to it and all that I and mean, have him be like a cyborg and all this jazz um you, you sent me the stat block for it as well and i thought it was quite cool because he had all the storm giant abilities but then you added some uh some sci-fi stuff to it as well i thought it was yeah super, super i might cool. i might actually share that stat block like a screenshot of that stat block on the mike flares um twitter page if uh, if people would be interested in that maybe 
Uh, Ooh, actually, that'd be great. <laughs> I did. Uh, I, 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 when I, I must find the name of the artist who did the art that I just copied from my homebrew game and I credit him for that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we're going to post it. Um, but yeah, it's it. The whole their whole thing is that um, I wrote ages ago because my guy when my guys were um, just researching vestiges and people who had them, they heard about this guy called Aradon Galespeaker. Uh, uh, he's I think I gave him two or three other like storm wreaths and um, something else as well. Um, and uh, but the the one line I'd written about him was that um, he was believed to have possession of one. Uh, he fought the the storm giant armies in the in the um the Jotun Creek, and he uh basically it says he like broke Donnerstein's magics on the top of the mountain and cast him down. Yes. Um. So I that was my like seed to design this all from, and I was like, right, if a storm giant can't do magic, I thought I'd nearly hit the pause button, uh, back the spacebar accent <laughs> and stopped our recording, which would have sucked. But yeah, I was thinking like, if a giant can't do magic, what could it possibly do? And I can't fully get into the explanation for it, right, which I will get into at a later podcast once I've yes, told yeah, I don't spoil anything. But basically, they found they had found a way to rapidly advance technologically, and they're sort of like an arcane where they're replicating magical technology. They're doing the same. They're uh, they're doing the same here, but just like they're replicating what magic can do, but without being magical at all. And yeah, it's all science. to do with tr- science. So, like, they get down to fight Mimir, and I had a really fun idea where they would all arrive in, and I knew because of how everyone describes how a D and D party goes when they walk into a room, they're usually in a line. They're usually yeah. horizontally together or in a straight line. So I had them come in. The the bad guy like starts talking to them, and then like he basically like na- he kind of says something to everyone because he um. Oh yeah, that was it. Sorry, one of the other things they found when they explored those side rooms was a was a thing called the resource chamber, and it was like a giant metal tube size for storm giants that you could stand into. And in I think it was like I think I wrote it to be like um, I think it was like ten minutes. It gives you the benefit of an eight hour long rest. Oh, is it kind of like the sar- sarcophagus in Stargate as well? I I I'm not sure what you're referring to, so it could be, and I might not remember it. And okay, that the in Stargate they have sarcophagi that are like advanced and you can put you can put humans into them but they're not really meant for humans and i think there's like adverse effects okay. but typically the ghoul will, will go into them if they're wounded and Sorry, you, can, yes. you can regenerate know, and heal them now i know what's wrong but when you said the, the ghoul on that that prompted memory but basically yeah. um i i wanted to give them two very difficult fights without killing them all yeah, yeah. Uh, when i designed both fights i was like this is this like i always um difficulty by schedule them as like deadly both fights are deadly and when I saw how, because they just had some very, like they got through the other fight, but they had some very bad rolls early on and they r- really took the hit. Um, when I, I went into that design, I had already kind of put that in I, in case they needed it, but it turns out it was a fucking good thing they needed it. Um, but they, they all jump in anyway, one by one by one, and they, they, they come out no problem. There's no adverse side effects, except for my draconic lineage sorcerer, because dragons okay. and giants are ancient. Don't enemies. mix. Yeah. And narratively what i had to do is the, the resource chamber basically completely analyzes your your body's makeup and your like dna and just fixes everything that's wrong and will like just it's sort of like acid eye healing in in wheel of time where they can remove tiredness it just basically pulls mm. everything that's making you weary or has damaged you out of you and just right. like, relieves all that for everyone else it was it was 10 minutes it felt like 10 minutes when my sorcerer went in it felt like hours and rather than a pleasant warm sensation she felt like she burned on the inside like from was this like it felt like hours for her and everyone else on the outside it actually was 10 minutes it was 10 minutes for her it felt like a couple hours and it felt like her and i I described it felt like her blood was boiling in her veins 
mm. and she just got all these weird flashes of images to do with like wars and dragons and lightning and stuff um, and she came out she still got the full rest but she was well, she was mentally not okay for a bit yeah um, they kind of they talk about what happened and then they decide right let's go face Mimir so they, they go down I really I, I'm going to say I really like the setup for his base um, I'm sorry this is probably dragging on a bit long but uh, no, they so I had a setup where that that uh, that corridor that they had opened for them was dark because they they're basically like motion sensor lights. So they go through the oh, corridor, yeah. opens up. There's like just a flat plane of like chrome chrome's metal on the side, um, with a little button on the side of the wall that they can press. Same thing, activate it. They do it, and then it just but rather than going up, it immediately drops, and it drops so fast that their clothes, like their cloaks and stuff, start like rising up. Sure. as it, like, it continues to gain speed until the point where right before your feet are about to start lifting off um, and then just a flash of electrical current goes across the everyone the, the floor thing and everyone's feet are magnetised to the plate the plate Ooh. then in, further increases in speed and right at the apex of its speed flips upside down and stops just comes like goes full full speed then just flip, flips and stops and just has a gentle stop uh, they're demagnetized they walk out and they see they're now upside down on this on the floating island that the castle is on uh, and there's a bunch of all these like jagged rocks everywhere and like weird electrical surges and they can just see they can't see the building itself but they can see the outline of it predator invisibility style of this huge scientific facility that's hidden uh-huh. underside on this thing uh, they work their way through they go in there and there's like in the hallway towards it there's like all these trophies of like different monster bits they work at one of them is like a, a dragon's eye floating in like this like preservative liquid there's like a, a, a weird tendril and like I kind of hinted at what each of these things were and if they wanted to make checks they could have but they, they're just yeah. laser focusing the boss they get in anyway and Mimir chats to them all he, but he fo- again he focuses in on this sorcerer and he's like I know what you are I know exactly what you are and who you are you're not leaving here I need to study you and he like hits a button and I have them all make deck saves as these tubes come up from the floor and connect to the oh, ceiling yeah. and like trap them all inside these like giant glass test tubes hanging uh, Kodo style yeah <laughs> only one person didn't get caught in the tube oh yeah what what's a I, I presume there's a way they can get out but is it like strength or do they have to make some sort of other check they, they, have, they have a bunch of ways to do but it had a it, they had an ac of 20 and 15 hp okay so they could break out but they're, they're burning yeah. attacks or whatever if they want to yeah, yeah okay. so they all they all get stuck and what's really cool is my sort my sorcerer who's this says uh, this is her arc my sorcerer whose arc this is um she uh she she rolled highest on initiative so she goes straight after his layer actions and his layer action was to activate the thing so right. she does one why i thought was really cool in that she active she casts uh thunderstep mm. and just thundersteps out of the tube straight up to the straight like kind of midway away from the guy and because thunderstep does an aoe she also heavily damages the two either side of her so yeah. like she just blinks out immediately damages the other two and like arrives and there's like crash of thunder and lightning to fight this like sci-fi giant who they can fully see now who's like fully mechanised he's got this mm. big crazy like cyborg glaive uh, they all one by one start breaking out um, a really cool thing Mandrai he summons his wildfire spirit and he has it do the fiery teleportation and just brings like three of them out of the test tube straight away it, like, it, it was a round but it was a cool little challenge uh, and then yeah. they basically just go into this like brutal back and forth fight with him um, I I just I basically took all the storm giant stat block and I was like, 
what way can I have him do all of the same things but have it be mechanical? So uh, his layer actions for a gust, I had it be where he would like lower his cyborg hand to them and the palm would open up and there was like a jet thruster in the palm. Yeah, that yeah that's just cool. Blast them back. Um, rather than the um, rather rather than like just casting a lightning bolt spell and hurling the lightning bolt at them, I said that like each of his five fingers on his mechanical side had contact points, and he went like this. Ooh. And it just, then went like that, and it just stretched out a lightning bolt, and he hurled at them. Um, instead of I can't remember what I think it might be Thunderstep or or like Thunderstamp is the Storm Giant's recharge on a five six. I changed that to Runic Devastation and gave him Iron Man's Uni Uni Beam, where like his chest oh, plates cool, like okay. slot apart, and he just fires his thing, and it was all, it did a shitload of damage. And I actually doubt I had my first because uh, I, I I really didn't balance com- combat properly for them early on, so I had my first um down downed character in this fight. Uh, oh, this okay. campaign, uh, Storm Joint just came over and hit Mandroid twice with his glaive. Gone out cold, so the Wildfire Spirit is gone. Uh, it was really cool though. My Blood Hunter was next, and he basically just like bear hugged around his unconscious body, ran into the combat zone, and then ran out so that when the sword came down, it would just hit the the Blood Hunter's back. Rather yeah, than yeah. And then just like ran him in because there was another room because I had really cool three D modular maps that I got from Grinning Gargoyle. So they have one called yes. the facility, and I had it set up with a, a side room in it being specifically for that purpose if any of them wanted to or like if they were smart enough to do it run out into another room to kind of take some heat off themselves for a while uh, and he did exactly that Revive, uh, fed him a head po- a health potion a health potion Jesus fed, fed, uh, fed him a health potion they come back out and I think it, it, I believe it was my I think my sorcerer actually did get the killing blow as well I ha- I'd have to go back and look again but I can't I think yeah I think she that was it yeah she <laughs> she's real fond of this spell and I completely understand why she disintegrated and uh, you, when you uh, sorry, my voice cracked really weird there. Um, <laughs> kind of went when, to uh, again. Yeah, for the fourth time. Um, <laughs> when you uh, when you get disintegrate as a spellcaster, you don't need anything else. <laughs> no, so yeah, she uh, she disintegrates him. They all. I think I'd given him two legendary resistances that he had, that they had already burned. Um, and yeah, she just disintegrates him. And like obviously, like the rest of my party dolls on like a fairly hefty blow with him as well. By that point, but she just yeah straight away brought him down to zero i i had her roll the damage first i rolled the save and i i went uh because i knew the save wouldn't pass her save i went right yeah roll all of the damage for disintegrate first and total it and then i'll tell you if you have it right yeah, okay because i knew she wouldn't have to so i was just making her sweat for no reason um, yeah but she like rolled it all she's like 73 and I was like, and all seventy three points of that go through. Nice, yeah. And like I so said, described how like his his human half just like dusts away, like it, like infinity, like infinity war. But like all mm-hmm. the mechanical parts, because they're all because they're fed into his body and linked into him. All the metal like begins to like rust, and then sort of like when the witch king dies, just like crumples. Oh, and crumbles inwards, yeah. yeah. And he just like crumples down into this pile of dust and broken machine parts. But the whole time that my uh, my sorcerer is doing this. Um, like as she casts the spell she like hears a voice she doesn't know but sounds very familiar uh, for some reason and the whole time she's been here she's been noticing things like the front door of the science facility is a door that was stolen from the fort of Aradon Galespeaker in a giant raid like centuries ago and she didn't know what it was when she saw it but for some reason she got she got a sense of familiarity about it and she got really angry that it was there oh interesting right, um and then as she casts the spell and disintegrates him, she hears a voice in her head go, that just goes, show them why we are called the wrath of the heavens. And the man just disintegrates into hell, into like uh, dust. And I'm, yeah, I'm just 
playing up her draconic lineage a lot and it ties into some of the story and where it's going now so now um they're basically on a straight line collision course with who they now know is the revived leader of the storm giants donnerstein who they also have assumed assumed has mechanically outfitted himself in a similar way to mimir um, and he is on the long abandoned giant home continent of Osteria, which is like four, which is the ninth one. They just saw this like giant, huh, this you like way bigger than all the rest floating island. Gi- giant with a small G. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, it's like a more like a floating city than a floating island. Um, well, yeah. Or like size for giants as well. Like when they saw it through the telescope. Um, so yeah, they're they're on their way there, and they've they've figured out by now that that's probably the ninth one. So they just need to get one or two more castles forward, and then those castles actually have ac- have access to the ninth castle, where they'll be able to confront the big bad of this arc. And I've I've, I've had this one going a while. Um, I feel I kind I kind of feel bad for how long it's drug on for the guys, but they've been having a lot of fun. Um, but I am very 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 excited to get the end of it because then, uh. Yeah, they already kind of know the main plot, but I have some really cool stuff planned for the end of this arc because they'll all, they'll all be vestiged up and all like have their like chosen yeah. weapons and stuff. And I have some, the whole time when the vestiges get near each other, there's like a like a harmonics when they get yeah, near each yeah. other. Um, and like I even do it now because there's three in the party. So if they get near each other in combat, I'm like when you get when you draw near this person, you hear as their vestige like corresponds to yours getting near. Mm. Uh, and yeah it's just a lot of fun and I'm very very excited um, to just keep pushing that on um, we're back uh, what will be next week at time of recording next Friday yeah next Friday um, with our yeah. session back and I think that'll be the arrival in Asteria and the approach to the final boss fight of this round and I have some truly wild shit planned for what the bad guys plan is we'll, uh, we'll need to check back in Maybe not next week, but probably the week after, and yeah. see how that final fight ends up going. And I am sorry because uh, I just realised how long I've spoken for there. Oh God! <laughs> hey, I mean, I uh, I talked about our uh, our two sessions for a long time as well, and we're kind of coming up in time. But I want to talk about a couple of things very quickly. Uh, it is, it is, it sort of is, it isn't. Um, our anniversary episode. Yeah. We're a year doing the podcast. And I just want to uh, ask you, Martin, is there any episodes that stand out to you as being we had particular fun doing or you thought they were a good topic or something interesting or anything like that? Oh, God. Um, I'm sorry, I actually I, I should have told you about this. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say I am particularly fond of our sci-fi episode. I really liked the discussion we had in that one. Um, yeah. Same. Weirdly, I, I do like our Strixhaven one, even though it's in... I kind of wrote the plan for the episode from a bit of a negative place because i didn't like strixhaven um but as we i'm but, yeah i, I I'm, yeah. I'm i'm seeing more and more things on youtube where people are like like um uh, debbie chatty I, 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 I watched that today it's a great video yeah <laughs> i have i haven't watched it yet but the, the title is just straight up this is the worst adventure in 5e like yeah um, for idea but um i like that one because we started at a very negative place but still we're not so negative that we were able to point out all the positives that we did actually like about strixhaven I think we went. We both went into that episode going, "Oh no, what were the two of us are about to slate this, and there's nothing we can do." But I think we actually end up talk talking the book up on its positives quite a lot, and we both came away from it thinking, "Oh, it's not as bad as we thought it was." Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, it's it's not great, but it's not as bad as we thought it was. Yeah, which was nice. I liked that we were able to be negative, but still, I'd be I suppose mature enough to be like, right, we don't like the we we're conscious this isn't probably written for us. Um, but these are the things yes. we actually do like about it. Um, what's the point now? I'm hilariously. I'm actually going back to our YouTube channel and just looking. 
Um... I, I think with, when it comes to the to the strict saving thing, like you said, it, it's nice. It's nice to be mature enough that we're like, because I mean, we did death. so many. We, I, I'm an idiot. We did death. Death was episode forty-one. Dear God. <laughs> Did we? Oh, God, yeah. I can't remember anymore. Well, um, I'm looking back. Uh, check out episode 41 of our podcast where we talk about death. It's inevitable. Um, I like our critical role episode a lot. The critical role. I, 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 I have this one here as well. Um, I, I have four that I just pulled at random. Oh, by all means, please. Sorry, your mother um, are much better prepared this week than I have. Uh, no, just uh, I think we, we have episode 28 of our podcast, uh, Critical Role and Its Critical Importance. Um, we just talk about Critical Role and the effect it's had on uh, fifth edition and just on tabletop in general. Yeah. Um, we also talk a little bit about um, the the quote unquote Matthew Mercer effect and why that can be a good and bad thing. But also, I mean, I feel like critical role is such a good thing um, in like moderation. You shouldn't base your entire love of D and D around that. But also, you can absolutely love D and I. I mean, I I I fell in love with D and D because I found critical role Same. and that inspired me. But I, I would very much consider myself. A person who likes critical role a lot but i also don't live and die on everything they do 100%. um which i think is healthy um there's some people that that all they do there's like artists online who are very talented but all they do is draw critical role fan art and i'm like i'm glad you enjoy something but it's also nice to diversify and like other things um so but i mean like like and it's it's the, the episode is is very much us being upfront about how much we like critical role we talk about critical role a lot we don't do it in the podcast which yeah. i try not to do it on this podcast because i don't want this to just be let's talk about critical role this week because yeah. that's a whole other uh, a whole other thing that's why we did um, an episode specifically a whole a specific a, episode yeah, we have a whole hour um, and a half long discussion about critical role where we put it all yeah. there but uh so i like i like that uh we we, we can talk about it but i try not to yeah. make the make it the thing that we bring up every single week um but we do watch most weeks. Um, I think I'm, I'm an episode or so behind at the moment. But I mean, uh, I've, I, for me, I just met Travis's new character. I think Travis is having a lot of fun playing and I'm having he, a lot of fun watching He makes the best it. characters. He makes the best characters. I love Travis, Travis is, is such a dark horse when it comes to the characters he makes sometimes because they can be... Grog can come off... If you, if you watch him play Grog, you, you think he's maybe not bringing a lot to the table, but when you watch him then play Ford, Ford has a lot going on, and he's way more expensive. And then when you watch him play Bertrand at the yeah. start of this campaign, it's like, that's yet that's, that's the whole other direction he's gone. Um, so yeah, Travis is great with that kind of stuff. They've had a new character for a few weeks, as we can say. Uh, Chetney is phenomenal. His dialogue, the way, yeah. he, the way he talks to people, it is just like a grumpy old man. I, like, I literally laughed yeah. out loud four times. And I'm only halfway through this week's episode. I was watching it before we started recording this. Mm-hmm. And I was literally sitting here in my room on my own, laughing like a lonely nerd. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, we, we do really, really enjoy Good Rule. But we also think that there's there's lessons both um, encouraging and... and and kind of almost like uh, words of warning that can be taken away from Critical Role as well yeah. in, in terms of like, and go and watch episode 20 of our po- 28 of our podcast. I'm quite proud of that one. I think we we accurately talk about the the positives. Like some people don't like Critical Role because they're like, it sets unrealistic expectations. Yeah. And I think that's a fair point. That's more so on the players going in that they don't have these you know, uh, I don't know, hundred thousand dollar studios with multiple cameras and lighting effects, and and eight pro- or nine professional voice actors sitting at a table. If you go with those expectations, you're going to be disappointed. But uh, the, I think the comparison I made was like, if you watch a soccer match 
with your friends or any sort of sporting event and then you're like let's go out and play some let's go down we'll, we'll kick the ball around we'll have a bit of fun if you go down to the to the to a pitch or a green or whatever and your expectation when you go to the park with your friends to kick a soccer ball around is this is going to be just like that forty thousand person arena that I, I watched last night it's not it realistically it's not but you can still have a lot of fun with it with your friends it doesn't have to be that big thing you know you see online yeah so i think we, we raised a lot of good points there and i think critical role is ultimately i think critical role is more of a benefit to uh, to the hobby and to to fifth edition in particular and then it is a hindrance i think there's definitely some pitfalls but i think they can be very easily avoided with some mitigation of our of our um our expectations yeah. um Another one, uh, I one I have here is episode thirty-three, where we have which is miniatures and uh, miniatures yes. growing your collection. Uh, that was our first ever interview, uh, first and only uh, so far, anyway. <laughs> uh, interview episode with uh, our friend Gavin, who's in our campaign, came on. Uh, Gavin Gavin knows a lot about miniatures uh, in terms of where to buy them, how to make them, how to paint them, how to assemble them. Kit bashing was the thing I learned about in that episode. Like I had no idea what that was before the episode. I think I like that one so much because I learned a lot in it. Um, I collect minis and I like minis a lot. I don't have the time to sit down and paint them. I don't. I, I typically put the little grey, they're either grey or white or transparent, and I just stick them down the field and I'm just like, ah, it's basically what you, it is what it is. Um, but Gavin paints them, he assembles them, he buys them from multiple sites. He'll, like I said, he does kit bashing where he'll take a couple different minis apart that he got from two different sources and, and put them together to make either a really cool monster or a really cool uh, like soldier or something like that. He He's shown me some recently. Gav really wants to run a diesel punk um, D and D yes. game, and he took some uh, some like soldiers that were kind of they were I think they were par partially Warhammer and partially something else, so they look a little bit like uh, kind of World War One ish. But then he threw some Warhammer stuff on to make them a little more you know diesel punk and techno kind of stuff, um, and it, they look fantastic. You know, when, and I, I actually really like seeing them unpainted because you can see the different color plastics and you know that this is not belonging to that and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mi uh, episode thirty-three, guys. Miniatures and growing your collection. Miniatures, sorry, it's just called miniatures, growing your collection. Um, it's 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 a great episode. I think the three of us had a lot of fun uh, doing it. Uh, just because, like I said, I I feel like I learned a lot in that episode. Hundred mm percent. -hmm. Anyone for anyone for yourself? Anything jumping out of you? Yeah, actually, I was just looking through it. Um, I really like. I think it's episode eighteen. Is it? Uh... No, sorry, not eighteen. Uh, episode fifteen. Why CR makes no sense. I think that's one. Oh of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like that was when we kind of around that time. I think we were starting to hit a stride with the podcast. It was early, early days, but I feel like we were starting to hit a good stride. Uh, yeah, YCR makes no sense. Uh, is it's a very valuable lesson to take away, particularly if you're, and if you're just jumping into the game casually and only playing a one shot every now and again. Um, I don't think CR is the worst system to use by, but we kind of come to the conclusion in that episode that like um, that CR is a good guideline. But there are other factors in play, like action economy and stuff like that, that need to be taken into account. Um, sometimes you overshoot the mark, sometimes you undershoot the mark. 100%. Um, I, I ran a one-shot there um, over the weekend, <laughs> or not, like last week, where um, I sent the guys down into a, into a tomb, because it was the tomb of this knight, uh, St. Florent the Grey. Um, and they went down and like, oh, there's something down in the catacombs. Stabbed one of the monks. He's okay, but, but he hasn't regained consciousness. We want you to go down there and root out whatever or whoever it is. And it turned out to be um, eight, four hobgoblins and four regular goblins. And it's a party of level fives. And I was like, okay, I know these guys won't last long. They'll be killed quite quickly. But that's not the point. I want them, action economy-wise, they'll get enough hits in that 
there'll be a couple of stabs and a couple of swipes here and there with scimitars and stuff. Uh, in the first round, Monk runs in. He's a new Draconic Monk. He does his Acid Breath, kills three of them instantly because they all failed their deck save. And Oof. I'm like, oh my god. Then the wizard, uh, there is a, a wizard. She was a wizard lizard. Yes! Uh, <laughs> she was a wizard lizard folk. Uh, and her name was Liz Anya. Uh, was this your sister? No, no, this was uh, this was Sean. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then he comes in and he uses one of his only two third level spells that he's going to have, and he fireballs the entire room, and then the other five are instantly dead. My sister and Tara did not get a turn in this combat <laughs> because in half a round it was over. Um, oh, I love so, it. Yeah. I love but it. then he didn't have that later on. He didn't have that third level spell later on. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so yeah. CR can be even though the the combat might tell you this is this is balanced. It's not always accurate. Um, I w- one of our very early ones um, that I really like because I feel like. I don't know if we were on our bet. I feel like we were on a good we were on a good game because I feel like we'd lots to talk about on that one, but it was still early enough days that I feel like maybe we didn't have our dynamic worked yeah. out yet. Uh is episode seven, really far back. Ooh, uh, wow. how to make gold more useful. Yes. I I love that episode because I, I feel like the lessons that can be taken away from it in terms of where your players can spend money. Like because again, a lot of DD is let's go kill the dragon. Oh, we found the dragon sword. Woo. What do we spend this on? Um, magic items is an obvious one, but then there's like you can get uh, other like disposable or usable items, you know, consumables. Um, you can spend it on property. You can invest in things. You know, there's lots of stuff you can do with gold and D and D that I don't always feel get taken advantage of. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Um, like uh, I, because of that episode, whenever I've done downtime now, after that with my players, I've been like, mm-hmm. we're doing downtime. I've given them notes ahead ahead of time, like. So, by the way, whenever we get to the end of this arc, whatever happens, we're going to be doing a downtime of... I, I haven't decided yet, but we, I'll give you some time. And I've done that a couple of times now, and because every, each time I've been like, these are all... Like, when I say it, because we were playing virtually, I, like, shared my screen and pulled up the, like, downtime options page, and I was like, these are all of the things you can do. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I read them out and went through each of them. And as a result of that, my player, uh, one of my players has made a spell. Um... My, it's a super cool by the way yeah it's a very fun spell um not so much when you're trying to dm for it but, and it wrecks your encounter immediately um, uh, actually that that's episode <clears> seven <throat> is how to use gold we also we have a dep- uh, we also have an episode in episode 35 uh, how to spend your downtime check it out yeah and we also have another kind of one you, you could almost do them as a tr- as a trio how to spend gold how to spend your downtime and then we also have magic items a dm's perspective which i think is a really good episode as well yes yeah uh, that is uh what, that's that's i think it's 30 something it is it is 21 oh, okay uh magic magic is the the <laughs> the, the thumbnail is, yeah. is my head awkwardly stuck on a blacksmith's body and he's sticking a holy avenger into a furnace <laughs> uh yeah no that's like you're absolutely right those, those three are great because they talk about um they talk about getting gold where to spend it magic items being one of them what to do with them and then they kind of bring in like crafting it in your downtime and it all kind of comes around full circle yeah. full triangle if you will because there's three of them yeah actually yeah, um, my gunslinger literally just made a sniper rifle in uh, over the last well he'd, he'd done he'd started in downtime um because he only had a, he could only had a little bit of his downtime left so he started in downtime um and then uh, progressively they collect as they've collected more and more interesting monster bits he has just for just for purely for decoration has added more monster bits to it and now he is he completed it there i want to say 
two, three sessions ago, and it's called The Broken Bell, which I love. That's cool. Um, if, if I'm going to go back to I think this is this is the earliest one I'm going to suggest, I think. Okay. Um, episode four, our sidekick's a problem. Yay! Um, yeah, we, <laughs> are, uh, are we, they, Connor? Are they? Do you know what? They're really not. No. Um, I kind of thought they would be. We we, we jump into the, the psych because this was around the time Tasha's came out. Yeah. Would and we hit. jump into the psychic rules and Tasha's and kind of examine like how they could work in a party and how you would introduce a sidekick or, or who controls them and you know are they are they an NPC that the player can, or that the DM can speak for or is it all controlled by the by the you know uh, the player? Um, we we get into a lot, but we get at the end of the episode we kind of we don't know because we haven't really put us through its paces. Yeah. But uh, we're like we we knew you wanted to make Frost your dog into a sidekick and level him out uh, accordingly. And uh, and we've done that now. And like Frost, actually, I think is a really a really valued member of the party, while also not being overpowered. I yeah. feel like he's he's there. He's definitely helpful. I, we we only talked about a while ago how he knocked that fella down and knocked him prone and stopped him from escaping. Frost has had a couple of clutch moments. Um, the uh, the damage, and, the disadvantage um, when someone attacks someone he's standing beside is big. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you use that constantly as well. Like so, um, so Frost gets a, has a lot going from. Uh, I think maybe now he is obviously a, a warrior style. Mm -hmm. Maybe if it came to like the spellcaster oh, type or I actually, the mage. I actually have the scout. I have I have a scout sidekick in my game now as well because uh, my sorcerer. Uh, I, I've been through and you're supposed to have a, 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 a sidekick that can talk for scout. Um, but what I've done narratively is my sorcerer has a raven that she uh, got as a very young young girl and grew up with. And when she when they revisited their hometown a while back her friend grog gave her the like the raven like flew and settled on her shoulder and now it comes with her and it basically lives in her hair uh, <laughs> he like goes, sits on his on her shoulder and will speak to her but oh it's like hand and chewy only she can understand him and vice versa right yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like when he's finished talking he's scottish by the way because she decided that um i and i do do the voice uh, and when okay. he's done when he's done talking he like buries himself in like the the, the long part like her long hair that drips drapes down her back and just like disappears yeah. and then reappears when he's needed but it, he's been really cool as well they have some fun combat stuff where they can give like a d6 uh, i think it's like a d6 to a damage roll um for uh when someone if so they he can basically fly over and distract someone while someone else is attacking them and if they do that they get a d6 to their damage it's called like uh, i want to say it's called com combined strike i think that is, is that the expert? That's it, sorry, um, the expert, the expert, yeah. Yeah, so did they, did they get sneak attack, don't they? I don't think so. Oh, maybe not so. Because I know they're meant to be like the rogue equivalent yeah. or the skill person equivalent. Yeah. Um, that, that's interesting because it just reminds me of that um, The Witcher 3 has a a cinematic where Yennefer um, yes, yeah, is, I... is like she's running in for, away from the battle and someone kind of corners her. And this this raven that's with her literally flies and swoops down at a guy full speed and tucks its wings in and impales itself into his eye. Yeah. Um, and it's metal. it's metal as hell. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that kind of, that, that that just reminded me of that immediately yeah. when you're like, oh, he helps in combat. I'm like, that's really cool. It's yeah, it's been um, a lot of fun. So yeah, I think I think we can both probably say that they are they are powerful to the point where. I think anyone would be happy to have them. But we were worried they'd be really overpowered because they seem like they'd be a whole extra party member. But actually, I, I don't even factor Frost into most combats. And you guys still... I put you through your paces. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. The, the last two uh, in particular. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I honestly think that um, that if... Definitely go and watch the episode. Um, 
Uh, it's one of our early ones, so maybe if, we're, if our camera quality or sound quality or something's off, uh, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I can do because it's the past. Um, but also, I, I do think we bring up some good points, and I think we can finally answer the question, Martin. Uh, are psychics a problem? No, they're not. They're fantastic, and everyone should use yeah, them. I was actually going to say that might be one we revisit maybe later, like later on in both campaigns. Oh, forget what I said, so. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, you, you'll know You'll know if it ever comes up on a, on a MeWe, because it'll probably be me who'll bring it up just because Frost. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, psychics. I've, I've been absolutely loving. Uh, like Frost has been amazing uh, in the party so far, both for role play and like mechanical reasons. Um, and then yeah, um, Bran. By the way, is the Raven's name Bran, uh, which Bran. I, which is cute. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's been awesome. He's it's been really. He's basically just like a, a cheeky Glaswegian Raven. That's <laughs> uh, fantastic, but Martin. Yes, Connor. That's all the time we have for this week. Oh man, it's been so good to be back. I've actually really, it like, it, I did not realise. I feel how... rusty. Yeah. I feel rusty, but I think I'll get into it now and next week and I'll be grand. Yeah, I didn't, like, I... Also, my throat's killing me. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I did not realise how much I missed this. Like, because I, I, I did it, I won't lie, I did enjoy the little break where it was, like, Saturdays, I, I don't have to yeah. do anything. But, like, coming back to do this now, I'm like, I remember now why I like podcasting so much. It's a lot of fun to talk about things you love with, with your friends. It is. It's, ther- it's, a, it's a therapy and it's just, it's just fun chatting. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions you'd like us to ask stories you'd like us to share or topics you would like us to cover you can uh, you can tweet us at Mike Flair's pod on Twitter you see it in the lower screen uh, you can also find our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts we're Anchor, Breaker and Radio Republic uh, Martin where can people find you on the internet? Yes you can mostly find me on Twitter it's so sorry it's over um, and also um, I tend to man the Mike Flair's Twitter account as well particularly if you see it uh, at like at tweeting at like 3am Irish time it's, it's definitely me Um yep. Yeah, mostly there. I, I've kind of stopped Twitch streaming because my computer's being weird about it. Um, but I'm hoping to get back into that maybe sometime late, sometime this year. Um, but that's mostly it. Just uh, on the Twitter. Um, and here every Friday for the Mike Flares podcast, six p.m. Irish time. What about you, Connor? Where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at zero point Connor Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R one N. Very important. It's good to be back. And also, you can find me every Friday six p.m. Uh, on the aforementioned platforms uh, here on the Mike Flares podcast. So, guys, uh, thank you so much for watching us. Uh, yes. uh, watching, listening. Thanks. Thank you for a year. I was doing Mike so. Flares. I was doing so. Thank you for a year, Mike Flares, guys. For anyone who's been watching over the past year, uh, we're having a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're probably going to keep this up. Um, and it's it's nice when people uh, engage, comments, do that likey, commenty, subscribey yeah. thing. Is that something I'm going to say every week now? Probably not. But um, but like it's nice when people engage. If you have anything you want to discover, hit us up with a tweet. Guys, at my smash that time. like button. No, I hit myself. What's button. up? It's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's all from us. Uh, have a good have a good day, uh, oh and we'll God. see you all next week. What do my housemates think? Jesus. <laughs>